All right. I'm excited for tonight. I reckon God's going to do something powerful tonight. I think tonight's going to be a game changer. I've been stirring my faith for tonight. I'm believing that God wants to activate something through you tonight. I don't know if you remember the first night. I was talking about how God wants to do something in you. But tonight, God wants to do something through you. That you're going to leave tonight with something on the inside of you that the world needs, that your school needs, that your family needs, that God wants to do uh, in you. And I believe if you'll receive it, uh, it's going to be powerful. So I'm just going to move this nice and close. No, not really. All right. I'm going to read to you from John chapter 17, verses 13 to 19. I'm going to read this to you uh, in the message. This is, I'll say that again, John 17, 13 to 19. This is such an important uh, portion of Scripture because in this Scripture here, in this passage, Jesus actually says that he's praying for you and for me, and this is the only time in Scripture where it specifically happens. Everything in Scripture is for us, but Jesus says this prayer specifically was for the believers who are to come, okay? And we are right here, right now, in Port Lincoln, 2017, right? The believers who are to come. We're here, and this is what Jesus prayed for us. You ready for it? It says this, Now I'm returning to you. I'm saying these things in the world's hearing so my people can experience my joy completed in them. I gave them your word. The godless world hated them because of it, because they didn't join with the world's ways, just as I didn't join with the world's ways. I'm not asking that you take them out of the world, but that you guard them from the evil one. Listen to this. They are no more defined by the world than I am defined by the world. That's crazy. Make them holy, consecrated with the truth. Your word is consecrating truth. Now listen to this. In the same way that you gave me a mission in the world, I give them a mission in the world. This is crazy. As called and as set apart and as chosen as Jesus was, so are you. In the same way that Jesus was given a mission by God to change the world, to make a difference, come on, to kick holes in hell, so are we set apart and called on a mission by God, come on, to do something significant and to make an impact on our world. That's crazy. Jesus was pretty called. He was pretty anointed. He was pretty chosen. But he says, everything that I had and everything I was called to be, so are you. That is insane. And I'm already preaching, but it's not time to preach yet because I need to pray. Father... I thank you for your word. I thank you, Jesus, that is powerful. I thank you, Lord, that we can leave tonight different because of your word. I'm just praying tonight, Father, that something will be released into this atmosphere. God, we just stir our faith tonight just to believe that you're going to speak to us tonight, that you're going to minister to us tonight. I pray, Lord God, that destinies will be set apart tonight. People would be set on fire tonight. We would leave bigger than what we came tonight because we came into contact with the power of your word, the power of your spirit. God, we're hungry for you tonight and we do not settle for average. We do not settle for normal. We do not settle for natural. But God, we pray tonight for something Come on, supernatural, something above normal, something breakthrough. Lord, tonight in Jesus' name, that's what I'm praying for. And everybody said, amen. I want to tell you a, uh, a beautiful story about a, a wonderful moment I had with my wife. Uh, she's a wonderful lady. I sent her, did you see me with the balloon before dancing? I sent her that video. Uh, she wasn't impressed. Um, but I thought it was funny, so... I'll probably post it on my Instagram later. Uh, we uh, What was that? Yeah, rookie badge. Whoosh, right off. Uh, so this one time, right, there's this, there's this look uh, that Hannah, my wife, gets in her eyes. Uh, she has these big, blue, beautiful eyes. And, uh, and sometimes she looks at me, right, and without verbalizing it, this is nonverbal communication, her eyes say to me, 
I want to kiss you, right? I know, it's crazy, right? She looks at me, and I could just see it in her eyes. She's like, come on, give me a smooch, you know? And I'm like, I will happily oblige anytime. So some of you are like, ooh, gross. But anyway, it happens, and it's, uh, it's awesome. And I love kissing my wife, right? Uh, it's awesome. That's, that's step one to how we made that baby, right? So, so, hey, we're married. It's great. What are you all squirming about? So, one time, uh, we were there in our room, and Hannah looks at me, and her eyes are saying to me, Sam, you are the most gorgeous man I've ever laid eyes upon. Sam, you are beautiful. I, I'm beholding the glory of your face right now, and I am ready to kiss your novelty-sized lips, right? I don't know if you know this. My lips are quite big. Uh, Hannah's are tiny. So the whole kissing thing, very interesting. So, so, uh, so she's looking at me, right? And I, I go in for the move, right? I'm going in for the big peck. So, so I'm, I'm leaning into her. She's leaning into me, right? Our lips are touching. Some of you are like, this is crazy. So our lips are touching, right? And let me tell you, they were so tight, they were vacuum sealed, right? There was no air coming in, no air coming out. It was so vacuum sealed, you could preserve food in there, right? It, it, was, it was like... It was a beautiful exchange, okay? You know that song, Beautiful Exchange? So, um, so it was a beautiful exchange. And uh, this particular time of year, I get what I call every year my Hillsong cold. And, um, and the Hillsong cold I get once a year every time I go to Sydney. And, uh, and it's disgusting. It's this phlegmy, gross cold. And I have this weird like, thing that happens to me uh, where I am not necessarily aware of when I'm going to cough. So... So, in fact, quite often, like, I don't get, people talk about this tickle in your throat that you're meant to get or, like, these kind of signs that are kind of meant to happen when, you know, a coffee is coming. I don't get any of that, right? So, so for that whole week, I've been randomly just, like, coughing out of nowhere. And I try and cover up when I'm talking to people. So, I'll be there. I'll be having a conversation. I'll be like, hey, how are you? <laughs> you know, like, because I don't know where it's coming. And I don't want people to know I just coughed on them. So, I kind of, you know work it into the conversation, right? So, so we're sitting there, lips are locked, expecting a beautiful exchange is happening, and suddenly, right, you know where this is going, one of these unexpected coughs, right, comes upon me, and right there with the vacuum-sealed lips, come on, airtight, this massive piece of phlegm comes flying up my esophagus and lands in her mouth, right? And she's there gagging on my snot! She's literally like... Ugh, ugh, ugh. <laughs> And she's walking backwards from me and she's looking at me like I'm some kind of freak, some kind of predator, right? And she's looking at me like, don't you dare ever kiss me again. That is disgusting. That is psycho. And uh, she, she stayed away from me for the whole week. It was absolutely revolting, right? Um, obviously, we recovered because we are having a baby. She did kiss me again, but uh, it, was, it was exciting. I tell you what, it was out there. It was... Um, it was a tough week, right? She was not coming near me for the rest of the week out of fear that I was going to slag on her face, right? You do not want that, okay? So pro tip when you're married, uh, don't allow that to happen, right? Now, great, gratefully, right, on my part, uh, that definitely generated what I would call some short-term excitement, right? Uh, there was a bit of a buzz going on uh, inside the house that week. She did not want to kiss me. She didn't want to come anywhere near me. But thank God it didn't have a long-term impact, okay? Thank God she still loves me. She's still with me. She's still journeying with me. And for some reason, she puts up with my dysfunctionality every single week of my life because she is a good woman. You need to meet my wife, I'm telling you. This is the worst part of the relationship with you right now. You, the best part is back in Adelaide. She is awesome. Uh, and here's the thing. I reckon if we're not careful in life, we can kind of live life in such a way 
that we live life for short-term excitement, right, without making a long-term impact. We can live our life in such a way that it's short-term excitement, it generates a bit of fun, a bit of hype, a bit of pump, but it doesn't actually carry with it a long-term impact, something that's going to make a difference, something that's going to make a change, something that's going to shake things up permanently. I don't know about you, but I don't want to live for short-term excitement. I want to live to make a long-term impact in this world, right? I'm all for having fun. I'm all for being stupid. I'm all for like getting absolutely loose and going wild. But at the end of the day, that's not what I'm here for. I'm here because I want to make a difference. I'm here because I want to make an impact. I'm here because I don't want to settle for living an everyday, ordinary life. I believe I'm called to do something significant in the same way Jesus was, and I believe that you are too. Amen? It's crazy. There's these things that I would call trends. Everyone say trends, right? That, that are kind of, no one even said it, trends. Say it. Okay, there it is. That are kind of prevalent in our world today, right? And they're really funny, some of them, right? Fidget spinners, that's a trend right now, right? Or, or spidget finners, as I call them. You can switch it around. It works really well. And uh, there's a whole bunch of things, right, that have gotten real popular, and they're like the biggest thing in the world, right, and then all of a sudden it just dies, right, as if it never existed, right? Pokemon Go, you know what I'm saying, right? Who played that thing? That was the best. No? What is wrong with you? Was there no Pokemon in Port Lincoln? Oh, that's so sad. Me and my mates, we were in the car at 3 a.m. down Search Reserve at Murray Bridge catching Pokemon. It was crazy, right? And legitimately, there was cars everywhere, all up the bank of the river, like all night, waiting there for a Gyarados. It was insane. Like, people were going crazy for this thing, right? Who remembers the Harlem Shake? You remember that bad boy? All this stuff, crazy. Who remembers the Nene? Nope, okay. Uh, how about dabbing, right? Yeah. <laughs> Pauline just dabbed, come on. Bring it. Show us again. Show us again. Oh, no. Only, only for special viewing right there. So um, here's the thing. I just like to lay it out tonight. The dab is dead. Okay. Can we just, can we acknowledge that right now? No, it's dead. If it wasn't dead, we just shot it. It's dead. Okay. The dab is dead. Now, now here's the thing, right? You never hear anyone come up to me like, you know, so the other day I like did this dab. And, um, and now I've dabbed away all my fear, all my pain, all my insecurity, and now I'm just free, right? You don't hear that, right? Because, because what it does, so I say yes, <laughs> because, because what does it do, right? These things are awesome, they're fun, I'm not knocking them, but what I'm saying is they generate short-term excitement, but they don't have a long-term impact. And we live in this world that's so good at generating short-term excitement after short-term excitement that we don't notice that it's had no impact because the next thing's already come, so we don't notice that it's already gone and we're living in another, come on, short-term impact kind of thing. But we're not called just to get psyched up for a moment. We're called to make an impact for a lifetime. And see, we kind of think of this idea like living for trends, you know, we don't want to do that, but... You know, there's a heap of things I think are not as bad as the most dangerous trend in this world. Here's the things that you need to watch out for, but aren't the end of the world, right? Now, don't get me wrong. I think you need to, li- I think you need to watch what music you're listening to, right? I think you need to watch what you're drinking. I think you need to watch that you're not taking the wrong things. I think you need to watch that you're not wearing the wrong things, right? All of those things, they're important, right? And we want to live by godly standards and make sure that we are holy in every area of our lives. Yes, but let me tell you, they, those things are not the most dangerous trends in the world. The things that are obvious are not the most dangerous trends in the world. I'll tell you what the most dangerous trend that you can live your life by right now is, right? Wasting your life. 
The most dangerous trend is not the music you're listening to or the clothes you're wearing. The most dangerous trend that you could get sucked up into is wasting your life. Here's what the trend in the world is right now. Go to school. Leave school. Go to TAFE or uni. Get a job. Have a couple of kids. Retire. Buy a boat slash caravan slash other portable mobile thing. Die. That is the most dangerous trend in the world right now. The most dangerous trend operating in our world at our time is not the clothes you're wearing or the music you're listening to. Don't get me wrong. I'm saying that stuff's important. But the most dangerous thing is not what you listened to on the radio this morning. The most dangerous thing that you could get sucked into is wasting your life, is living your life so normally, so boxed up, so average, that you get to the end of it without ever making a difference in the world. That is the most dangerous thing that you could get committed to. That is the most dangerous thing that the enemy would want to suck you into, is living your life so averagely, so safely, that you left this world the same way that you found it. That you had some short-term excitement, but you never actually made an impact. I would put it to you this way. You're ready for some, some, some punching word tonight. If Port Lincoln is the same after you die, you wasted your life. If your school is the same after you leave, you wasted your school. If your family is the same, come on, when you leave home, come on, you've wasted your time in your family. You're called where you are for a reason, to make an impact, to make a difference, to break, come on, the trends out, come on, and not to live for what's trending, but to live for what's transforming, to get a spirit in you that says, I cannot settle for what's trending in the world, but I'm here and I know that I'm here to transform the world. I cannot settle for where I am and what I've seen. I know. I'm called for more. I'm here to fire you up tonight. To get a fire in your belly. To not settle for what you see and what you know. But to get a spirit in you that Jesus had. That said, I'm not here to trend with the world. I'm here to transform the world. Oh my gosh. I will not be happy with my life. And I am not happy with my life. As long as it looks like everyone else. And you know, for me, I'm a pastor. And you might say, well, being a pastor, that just means you're changing the world. No, it doesn't. No, for me, I could just do church like everyone else. I could just lead how I've seen lead. I could just preach how I've seen preach. I can just do what's always been done and just stay in my little box and my little lane and never believe God for more, never believe God for more than what I've seen. No, but I don't want to do that. I'm not content with that. I'm saying, God, I don't want to just be what I've seen. I want to see more. God, I'm not content to stay in the box. I'm content only to get out of what I've seen and to break through in Jesus' name. Come on, to make an impact. That's what I'm believing for. I want to show you um, one of the most glorious creations that the Santa Stefanos actually had for me at their house that had ever been known to mankind. These bad boys are called crispy M&Ms. Come on, who knows that there's no other M&M, right, other than crispy m Come on, there's no, they have no rival. They have no equal, right? They, they are the name above all names, right? No peanut M&M, no chocolate. Come on, crispy M&Ms, right? We don't know why they're crispy, right? We don't even know what's in them. But we love it, right? It could be crushed up pig hooves. I don't care, right? If it's crispy, I'm down. You know what I'm saying? I love that texture, okay? So what I've got here is I've got crispy M&Ms, okay? And I've got a Mars bar. 
crazy, right? Mars bar, it's a classic. It's a classic. Pete, Pete, I need you, mate. Come here. All right, so I'm calling up my old mate, Pete. Come up, Pete, for a minute. I want to demonstrate something to you. Now, Pete, Pete is a nice, he's a nice young lad. Who loves Pete? Who's got a lot of time for Pete? Pete is my jam, right? Me and Pete, we're old mates, okay? As you can tell by how much he's loving this affection right now. So, 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 let's imagine for a minute that Pete, as hard as it is to imagine, right? Pete's a dirty, rotten thief, right? He is a thief, okay? He has come to steal, kill, and destroy, okay? You know, look at that face. Look at that face. He is ready to steal, kill, and destroy, okay? So, so now, Pete, I've got to ask you a question. Now, hopefully, you don't mess my sermon illustration up, but I think, I think you'll catch on to what I'm saying here. Uh, I'm going to open this bag. Yes. Didn't open all the way, but that's okay. Um, I want to ask you a question, Okay. If I've got an open bag of M&M's, I'm actually going to answer the question for you, but let's just roll with it. If I've got an open bag of M&M's and I've got a Mars bar, right, and you want to take one of these without me noticing when my back is turned, right, I'll tell you what you're going to take, right? You're not going to take the Mars bar, okay, because there's only one of them, right? It would be very obvious if you took my Mars bar, right? And I'm telling you, Pete, if you took my Mars bar, the spirit of Liam Neeson would come upon me. And I will get all taken on you, right? And I would say, I don't know who you are, but I will find you and I will kill you. You know what I'm saying? Like, you took my Mars bar, buddy. I know who you are. I know where you live. I met your father this morning, right? And I'm going to hunt you down. I actually do know where you live. Okay, how scary is that? And if you took it, Pete, I would come after you. And it'll be the end of your life. Okay, so, so that would what happened. Now, now, if Pete was smart, if he was a smart thief, this is what he would do. He would reach his hand, right, into this bag, only one, and he'd take an M&M, right? And he, he'd put it down. You can eat it, eat it, right? How does it taste? Great job. Great work, Pete. Thank you. You can go back to what you were doing, which was not listening to my sermon. Praise God. So, so here's the thing. I'll tell you why he would take an M&M. Because even though the color might be a little bit different, and even though the size might be slightly different to the others in the bag, I'll tell you why he'd take it. Because it's basically one of the same. Its presence isn't noticed, and its absence isn't felt, because it's just like every other one in the bag. And this is not the kind of Christian you're called to be. This is not the kind of follower of Jesus you're called to be. This is not the kind of youth ministry you're called to be. This is not the kind of church you're called to be. You are not called to be another M&M in the bag. Let me tell you something. As a Christian, your presence should be noticed and your absence should be felt. There should be something so different about who you are and how you're living. But if you were there, everyone notices. And when you are there, everyone notices. Because what you bring is not of this world. What you bring is bigger. It's powerful. There's a power on your life, the power of the Holy Spirit, that wherever you go, your presence is noticed and your absence is felt. You are not another, another M&M in the bag. Come on, baby. You're a Mars bar, right? You're not called to be an M&M. You're called to be a Mars bar. Someone say Mars bar. Holy flip. You can have that. I like you. So you're not called to be another M&M in the bag. Your presence should be noticed and your absence should be felt. And if it's not, you've got to ask yourself the question, am I really doing with my life what I'm meant to be doing with my life? 
Am I really living in a supernatural way? Am I really living out the call that God has on my life? This isn't for the extroverts in the world. This isn't for the loud ones. This is for everyone. Jesus said this, John 17, 16. I'm just going to say one more time. He said, they are not of the world, even as I am not of it. He didn't say some of them aren't of the world. He didn't say the extroverts, the loud ones, the ones who find it. No, no, no. He said they, everyone, all believers who are to come, they're not of the world. There's something different about them. They're carrying something bigger. Everywhere they go, there's something different happening because the spirit of the living God is on them and they are not content to leave the world the same. They're not of this world. I want to ask you tonight, honestly, does your life look like, smell like, and sound like the world around you? Not because you're swearing your head off and not because you're wearing the same clothes and not because you're listening to the same music. That stuff's important. That's another message. But does your life look like the world? Because you're not doing anything different to make an impact for Jesus. Does your school know that you're thinking of school here? Does your family know that you're thinking of school? Do, do your people around you know that you're here tonight and what you're doing here? Because I have a sense and a knowing that what you've seen is not the end, it's just the beginning. That God's calling you individually and you corporately as a youth ministry to make a dent in this city, to make a dent in this region to make a dent in the schools, to make a dent in your family, that God is calling us to something greater. He's calling us to revival. And we throw that word around and we're like, oh, yes, we've all heard that, we've all prayed for that. You know, until we get serious about it, we're never going to see it. Until something grips us to the core of our being and says, I cannot settle for one empty chair in this building. We'll never see it come. There's got to be a fire inside of us. Get on the inside of us that changes us. That pushes us to transform the world around us. If I might, Sammy can grab a guitar. I want to tell you a story. It's a powerful story about a young man in the youth ministry that we were leading in Murray Bridge and what happened through his life when he got a hold of what he was called to do. This guy was a, a guy called Jesse. Jesse had an encounter with God at an event just like this. And there that day, he was standing there in the altar call and in the prayer time. And the pastor was praying for him and, and something happened in that moment that changed his life. He realized that although he'd been a Christian, that he was living like an M&M in the bag. He was living like everyone else. He was in a school and making no difference. He was in his family and making no difference. His faith was restricted and restrained. And he looked like the world and smelt like the world. But that night when he got prayed for, something happened on the inside of him. And he didn't know what the process was. He didn't know what the rules were. But he just went out and did something for God. So that week he goes into his school. And he begins to pray. He's walking around the Oval. He's praying for his school and just believing that God's going to do something significant. And he starts to talk about it. And he gets a couple of other mates with him. And in the next few weeks, they start gathering together on the Oval, praying and believing that God's going to do something in this school. 
There's no youth pastor there. There's no leaders there. There's no guys who've done it before. He's just there, not knowing there's a process, not knowing there's a rule. He's just going out and doing something for God. And as he's there, his friends start to gather around him to such a degree that the school says, hey, there's now 20 of you and you're going to start meeting in a classroom at lunchtime. We're going to give you a classroom. So he's there. And every week, he'd have a friend up on an acoustic guitar. He'd get up there. No one ever taught him how to preach before. He gets up there and he starts preaching Jesus in his school. They start praying for their friends and their friends are getting saved and their friends are getting healed. This is a school, right? 20 kids in the classroom. And that group of 20 begins to grow and it grows to 40 and then it grows to 60 and then it grows to 80, right? In one classroom at school. And the school comes to him and they say, hey, Jesse, we're sorry, but the classroom is too small. It's illegal for you to meet here now. And he's like, well, what are we going to do? And he's like, they're like, well, I guess we're just going to have to give you the main auditorium. And he's like, okay. So every lunchtime, they start gathering in the auditorium until over 100 young people are gathering, right? Voluntarily giving up their lunchtime to be in ministry, to be under the word, right? To hear the gospel of Jesus, not preached by a pastor or a leader, but preached by someone who just knew they loved Jesus, who wanted to be, to be not just be a trend, but come on, transform the world, someone who had a conviction to do something for God. And so he's there and it starts to blow up and then another person and all these guys start coming into our youth ministry. And then another person at youth ministry hears what happened in Jesse's school. And she's in a public school. And she says, hey, well, it doesn't matter. I'm going to do it. So she starts doing the same thing. And again, more and more young people start filling up this classroom. And people are coming to Jesus in school. And they start to come to youth. A month after that, a third one started in another school. A month after that, a fourth one started in another school. A month after that, a fifth one started in another school. And six months after, there were six student-led school ministries, right, in the whole region with over 250 young people gathering outside of youth in their school, not with pastors and leaders, but with students who said, I can do something for God. I want, I'm not going to settle for being normal. I'm not going to settle for being average. And that region was shifted and shaken because young people stood up and realized that they weren't waiting for someone else to do it. God had called them to do it. And that story of that one young man has now gone around our nation. And there's a website dedicated to this thing called schoolsrevolution.com. You can look it up. And there are people starting these things all over Australia, not because of me, not because of a leader, but because one young person said, I'm sick of this and I want more. I'm sick of this. I want to be better. I want to do better. I want to see better. If Jesus is real, then he can use me. So this is what I'm here to do tonight, is to tell you, you don't have to live like that. But Sam, that's the way I was raised. Doesn't matter. Sam, that's the side of town I'm from. I don't care. When you step into the kingdom of God, you also step into the family of God. You also step into the culture of God. You also step into the history of God. Your history doesn't count anymore. It's Jesus' history now. Your family, it doesn't matter who you were born with. Come on, your family is the family of God now. It doesn't matter where you're from or who you are. This is not your calling. This is not your life. This is not how you're called to live. There's more for you. I'm telling you, there's more. My fear for my life, my fear for our generation, would be that our lives and our stories end up like those Instagram stories, right? 
Oh, that's so funny. Right, I love it. I'm probably going to put my dancing pregnancy video on there tonight, right? It's going to be wild. We're going to have a lot of fun with that. But, okay, here's the thing. They've got a timer on them, right? You post it. It stays up for 24 hours. And then it disappears as if it was never there in the first place. I don't want my story to be like that. There for a bit of short-term excitement and then gone. No impact. No evidence that it was ever there in the first place. I don't want my story to be like that. I don't want your story to be like that. This church is not going to be an instant story church. Here one minute, gone the next. This youth ministry is not going to be that kind of youth ministry. Here one minute, gone the next. Your life is not meant to be here one minute, gone the next. That is not your calling. That is not this church's calling. That is not this youth ministry's calling. I'm telling you, I'm speaking it. I'm prophesying tonight. There is a long-term impact ahead for you if people will get together and believe that God can do something big, do something massive through my life, through your life. Come on, and believe in that we are not destined for that our lives. You know, Jesus, when he got to uh, the end of his journey, he's walking into Jerusalem, riding into Jerusalem on a donkey, actually. Shout out to donkeys. You know what I'm saying? Love a good donkey. So he's riding into Jerusalem on a donkey. He gets arrested, pulled into questioning before Pontius Pilate, the guy who was going to decide whether Jesus lived or died. And Pontius Pilate asks him this question. He says, Jesus, are you a king? doesn't seem like much of a question to us. It's like, well, of course Jesus is a king. But no, 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 we've got to understand what he was asking Jesus. He's saying, are you a king? Why is he asking him this? Because before Jesus, there was at least, the scriptures indicate and commentaries indicate 30 other false messiahs, other kings who would come before, who said, I'm the one, I'm going to save, I'm going to change the world. But you know what happened? They caused a bit of short-term excitement. Then they died and it all died out with them. And Pilate's asking Jesus, are you like them? Are you just another trend? You're here for a bit of buzz, a bit of short-term excitement, and then Jesus says this back to him. Pilate, my kingdom is not of this world. In other words, I'm not here for a bit of short-term excitement. I'm not here to bring what those other guys brung. Here for a minute, gone the next. Alive for a minute and dead with no impact. No, my kingdom is not of this world. I'm not here to trend with the world, Pilate. I'm here to transform the world. There's something bigger about me. And guess what? You're going to kill me, but even death can't hold me down. Three days later, I'm going to get up again and I'm going to change the world again because nothing you can do to me can stop what God has put in me. And here's the thing, when you start living like this, there's going to be people trying to crucify you, right? They're going to pull out nails, they're going to pull out words, and they're going to tell you you're nothing, and they're going to tell you you can't change your school, and your family might say to you, you're nothing, you can't do this, this isn't how it's going to work, but you've got to understand that no matter what cross they nail you to, in Christ, you're going to get up again, and you're going to get up again, and you're going to get up again, and you're not going to train. Come on, you are going to transform, you are going to make a difference. I call it out of you tonight, and I say you're going to do something significant for God. Because you're part of a kingdom that can't be shaken. Are you going to trend or are you going to transform? Are you sitting here in this youth ministry every week waiting for Pastor Josh to change Port Lincoln? Come on, Josh, change Port Lincoln. I really want, I'm just waiting. Just, just change Port Lincoln. And I'll tell you something. It's not his job to change Paul Lincoln. It's his job to get here and say, you do it. 
you and 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 you. And as, as, as that begins to happen, something's going to blow up here. As we start believing together that what we can do, come on, with this 20 of us, as you say, oh, with 20 of us, really? There was 12 disciples. We're already doing better. No, I'm serious. I'm serious. It's small-minded thinking that produces small-minded results. It's small-minded thinking that says, oh, there's 20. What can we do with 20? Jesus had 12, and now there's billions. Don't tell me that God can't use you. Don't tell me that you're not enough. Do you know who he did it with? Teenagers. Do you know who he did it with? Young people. The disciples were young. They were inexperienced. They didn't know enough, and yet God set them on fire to do something different, significant, and impacting for the world. I can't shake this tonight. This has got to get in your spirit. Oh, my word. God wants to use you to make an impact here. I just want to pray for some people tonight and believe that the Spirit of God is just going to come upon you. And He's going to call you out to be bold and fearless in this generation. And to not live for what everyone else is living for, but to live for something bigger and something greater. I say to you, don't miss the move of God. Don't be the guy or the girl who sits back and says, oh, I'll lean in when I see it. Because there's something that's about to happen in this church. And as I was, as I was in worship, I felt for you, Josh, that what you're sitting in, living in and experiencing right now is exactly what the prophet experienced. He heard the sound of rain before he saw the cloud. And what I feel for you is you're hearing the sound right now. But there's a season that you're about to enter into where you're going to start to see the cloud. But here's the thing. When the prophet heard the sound, he sent someone else to see the cloud. And I'm telling you, the more people here who are willing to run and to see what Josh is hearing, the more people who are willing to do that, the more rain that's going to come. There were three people in that story. The first one was the one who heard the sound. The second one was the one who ran and saw the cloud. And the third one was the one who felt the rain. If you will hear the sound and you will run and see the cloud, they will feel the rain. But we need some people here who are going to say, you're hearing that? That sounds crazy. All right, well, I'm going to run. You're hearing that? You're hearing that there's like a hundred young people who are going to come into this youth? Well, that sounds stupid. Must be God. Well, I'm going to run. And I'm going to run again. And I'm going to run again. And I'm going to run again. Until I see what you said. That is the season that this youth ministry is about to break into. I sense it so heavily. The Spirit of God is on this youth ministry. The Spirit of God is in this room. There are, there are people here right now, and you are literally like melting like a puddle. You are squirming in your gut with fear. But God wants to replace that with faith. Faith to believe that you could be used some more. Pete, I, I had a bit of fun with you tonight, mate. But I'm telling you, you are going to change the world, my friend. There is a call of God on your life, a leadership call on your life. And if you'll take something like this 
with you where you are, you're going to see God use you in a big way. You here, what's your name? Shannara. Yeah, you've been like a sponge this whole time. I've noticed it. You're sitting, your eyes are like this. And you're, you're absorbing everything that's been said. And God's just been working into your heart and depositing stuff into you. You're squirming right now, I know. You don't like the attention. But get used to the attention because you're going to do things that are going to cause attention. I'm telling you, you know this is for you. You're sitting there and you're like, I want that. I'm telling you, you can have it. I just speak it out over your life right now in Jesus' name. I just declare leadership, mantle, and calling upon you that wherever you go, you're going to make a difference. You're not an M&M in the bag. You're going to make a difference. You're going to break holes in hell in this place. I just speak that over you in Jesus' name. Come on, can we stand around this place? And I just want to believe that God's going to do something. Let's just come down the front for a moment, all of us. And I just want to believe that God's just going to move and God's going to stir us up. Come on, let's come right down the front. Let's just get our hearts ready for what God wants to do. Spirit of God. Spirit of God.